0: listening to Driving Law, a podcast by Kyla Lee about
1: all things related to the rules of the road.
0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Driving Law. I am Kyla Lee at Acumen Law and with me my co-host, Paul Doroshenko.
2: Glad to be with you, Kyla.
0: Yeah, I have a bone to pick with you about last week's podcast, Paul.
2: Oh, what's that?
0: Well, I couldn't do last week's podcast, and you were like, Kyla's on a break this week.
2: No, I was and I never said that. You That's didn't even listen to the on podcast. Twitter. That's what it said on Twitter. I don't post the Twitter. I don't post the tweets. I've told Jay many times that he should be posting some more things on the tweets. He could be posting more about your book. He could be posting about some other things that you're doing. Is your podcast. He is the one who posted that you were taking a break. In yeah.
0: fact, well, I, I know like you were working hard. To, come to clarify for the listeners, if they didn't listen last week because I wasn't on the podcast, that it wasn't because I was taking a break. It was because I was in a trial.
2: I don't think people are necessarily relying on the... Uh, Driving law.
0: I had at least one fan message me and say, oh, you deserve a break. Well, you
2: do deserve a break. Yeah. (laughs) Good luck getting one.
0: (laughs) Well, anyway, um, speaking of people who just can't get a break, Paul, you know who can't get a break this week?
2: Well, um, yeah. Uh, (laughs) ICBC.
0: (laughs) ICBC. You know, I, I feel particularly triumphant about the way this week has gone with ICBC. Because they suck, Um, and everybody's mad at them all the time, for good reason. I mean, our McGracken moment is another reason why people should hate ICBC, but this week I managed to get them to admit that they were wrong.
2: Yes, and it was all you. Um, You know, you're the one who got the whole thing going, and it's been a story all week long. I don't hold the same... Um, I don't hold ICBC at the same level of disregard as everyone else. Um, I do, however, um, like to look at this incident and episode as very instructive about dealing with the government because there's so much that is played out. So let's back up a little bit and uh, talk to people about what took place. Not everybody's in British Columbia watching you on every news channel each night.
0: Let's... Start with, well, it must have been Wednesday. I don't know. Wednesday? Today's
2: Friday? I think it was earlier than that. I think it was Tuesday or Monday, something like that. Anyway.
0: ICBC puts out a video on Twitter educating the public because it's Distracted Driving Awareness Week. And the point of their video... Week? Month, I think, isn't it? Whatever. Distracted Driving Awareness Times. And uh, they put out a video saying, Bye now. You all know that it's illegal to have your phone in your hand, on your lap, or on the seat next to you. Eh. Wrong. Wrong. Wrong, 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 wrong. Yes, correct. Can't have it in your hand. Correct. Can't have it on your lap. But you can have it on the seat next to you as long as you're not using it. And so I very quickly got tagged in this because people were saying, but wait, I thought that it was legal to have it on the seat next to you. Wasn't this a thing a couple years ago? And people were tagging me to get me to clarify.
2: Not just a thing. It was a news story a couple of years ago. It was
0: a BC Supreme Court case a couple years ago. So, uh, I was very quick to respond and clarified and provided a link to the case and called out ICBC for the misinformation. I then made a TikTok incorporating their video again calling them out for the misinformation and
2: and so did many other people after that so yes. i mean it turned into it a turned
0: into a big embarrassment
2: a, a, a shit storm for icbc Com's
0: nightmare so icbc initially like just responded and clarified they were like oh no are we meant in the video that like that's when you're actually using the phone which would be great, except, first of all, they didn't mention using the phone at all in the video. Like, no, they didn't they just, say they, the word using.
2: just having it on your passenger seat yeah. was, a, was prohibited.
0: Secondly, using in what way? Because mm-hmm. using as it's defined in the legislation or using it to play music? Because you can have it playing music on the seat next to you.
2: Provided it's playing through your
0: Car speakers. car's
2: yeah. audio system.
0: Yeah, so even that wasn't correct. And they continued to get flack because instead of, you know, just deleting their tweet and apologizing and correcting it, they tried to backtrack. They did eventually delete the tweet.
2: Yes. And and put up a new one.
0: Put up a new one being like, we apologize for our earlier confusion.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Pretty funny. (coughs) So you were on some number of news programs about this because there is just generally confusion about it. Yes. And of course, it's, the confusion is exacerbated when the government organization that is responsible for, uh, public messaging in this regard gets it so wrong. Um, before,
0: but, before you move on, because yeah. I know you want to talk about the other ways they continued to get it wrong later. Cause well, you'd think it would end with, we got it wrong. We'll probably mm-hmm. fact check ourselves before we put more content out there. That that wasn't what happened. But I want to talk about one comment that I got on Twitter and on TikTok a couple times. This is a law-related comment. And it was people, men, uh, men, uh, who were saying that because the case that I argued mm-hmm. that in BC Supreme Court that found that you are allowed to have your phone loose on the seat next to you, wasn't from the BC Court of Appeal or even the Supreme Court of Canada, that somehow that meant that it wasn't good law because it could still be overturned.
2: Yeah, that was a funny uh, funny one. So
0: many people saying that. A couple things that people should understand, because we're going to educate people about the law here, Paul. That's the point of this podcast. Okay, fair enough. A couple things people should understand. One, the Supreme Court of Canada would be highly unlikely... To hear a case about a distracted driving ticket in a single province. Reason being, it is not an issue of national importance.
2: It's also not a piece of legislation that is word for word copied in one province to the next, right. such that you could say that it's...
0: There's no conflict of legal interpretation between provinces, provinces. because each province writes its own Motor Vehicle Act or Highway Traffic Act or There's Traffic no, Safety Act. no
2: question about jurisdiction with no. the legislation. No. There's none of those national importance issues. And in fact, it's merely a very simple interpretation of... of provincial legislation that the province can come and change at any time.
0: Yes. So that's one. It would never go to the Supreme Court of Canada. Number two, it couldn't be appealed because if people had actually bothered to read the judgment that I had linked, they would see that the Crown conceded the appeal. I filed the appeal. The Crown said, we agree. And we jointly on that case went into court and said, It's important for clarity in the law for there to be a published judgment. So, Justice, please write a judgment saying that both of us are coming to you asking for you to write a judgment saying that you can have your phone loose in your car.
2: Basically, there's three people in the room who are involved (laughs) in dealing with the law. There was a prosecutor uh, dealing with the appellate aspect of it. There was the defense lawyer. It happened to be uh, Emma Wilson of our office went in for it. But you're yeah. the one who who set it all up. And there's the the, the judge, mm-hmm. and all three people in the room are going, "Yeah, this is this lower court was wrong, and we all recognize that." Yeah. And Can we have just a couple of words so people understand what the law is? And you can't so appeal your require, concession. <laughs> it would require the government to appeal their own case where they recognized. The correct interpretation was the one that everyone was putting forward to the court. So it could not be appealed. It could so, not be. So the mansplainers who were out there, <laughs> mansplaining to you, I saw that same comment. I, I saw you responding. I was surprised they, you responded.
0: They cited Tannhauser, which was the case about the phone where uh, the electronic device was like incapable of working, like the battery was dead. Yes, and they were like, well, that guy won at trial and then it was... Or won it on his original appeal and then it was overturned by the Court of Appeal. But that was because the Crown didn't concede it. The Crown appealed the decision and the Court of Appeal agreed with the Crown on their appeal. As they do. As they can.
2: Do, generally. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, so a vastly different situation. Um. So yeah, uh, I I don't get it. I don't get why people feel the need to mansplain my job to me. But thank you for doing that on International Women's Day. Well,
2: you're woman-splaining it to ICBC. Yeah.
0: Somebody on Twitter commented. On International
2: by, Women's Day.
0: My favorite Twitter comment was, ICBC comms is currently running all messaging through WWKLS. What would Kyla Lee say?
2: <laughs> well, um, it's a funny thing that... Um you know, this was a decision that was in the news and yet they didn't incorporate it at any point in their internal instructions to each other, right? Like somebody who is what's the process that gets to this? Yeah. Uh you know, somebody at ICBC says, well, we've got to come up with some messaging about that. And you think that there's some institutional knowledge where they would say, Well, remember, you know, this part was interpreted this way by the court. It's kind of clear actually. This is what we should say. But the institutional knowledge doesn't pass down. There's some denialism maybe when they have a different view of it or they started off with a different view of it. Um, But fascinating when you think of the implications of the organization that handles this when it comes to relying on their interpretation of the law or their explanation of the law. Now, in this case... You wouldn't get in trouble um, if you had your phone on your seat, despite the fact that they said you would. But if they tell you something that some act or behavior is not an offense and you rely on their statements for that purpose, say, for example, thinking to yourself that, oh, I'm at a railway crossing and stopped. If I put my car in park, um, (laughs) then I can use my phone then you may have a defense of an officially induced error.
0: Yep. And it's not that far-fetched because despite having really just majorly fucked up their explanation of the law on Tuesday, by Thursday, ICBC was on the Mike Smith show, and I encourage you to go check out the podcast um, because Mike Smith does a really good job of, like, questioning this guy to try and get him to say the law correctly this icbc's representative goes on the mike smith show and says if you put your car in park at a red light or at a train crossing or in a drive through you can't get a distracted driving ticket as long as that car is in park you can use your phone
2: well you could see he wasn't quite Comfortable saying it as comfortably as you just did. But but, that's what he said. But that is what he said, and it was wrong.
0: It's so Um, wrong.
2: And Mike Smith texted um, me to ask about it, because I was on a show on Wednesday, I think, or Tuesday, I'm not sure. Um, And uh, I said, no, of course not. Um, otherwise, everybody would be doing it and the police would be never issuing these tickets, yeah. which they do at every uh, intersections all over the place and times when, you know, traffic's backed up for construction or what have you or trains. Um, so or this f- was fake
0: construction. This moves. was,
2: yeah. COVID so test lineups. Yes, we've seen all of those things. But um, this was something that was a absolutely wrong statement of the law mm-hmm. by somebody from ICBC. Mm-hmm. On the radio.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And interestingly, Mike gave him a lot of outs. Yeah. And there was a lot of, um, like off ramps for this person from ICBC to say, look, w- w- the reason that this is prohibited at this circumstance is because it is, we're trying to separate people from using their phones, period. So that you don't even think about using your phone when you're behind the wheel if you're a- engaged in the act of driving. Yeah. um and i'm sure a lot of police officers heard that uh radio interview and were probably slapping their heads going
0: groaning oh, in their police my
2: cars gosh, here we are now icbc is now providing everybody with the defense and people who heard that on the radio and don't listen to the podcast if they go and do that all they have to say is look i heard it on mike smith there was this fellow from icbc on he said you know if i'm in a, a lineup at the uh, at a set of lights, so long as I put my car in park, I could sit and text all my friends and and and, and record some some uh, TikToks. Just
0: to be very clear, too, this is not a gray area in the law. Like a lot of things with distracted driving, like whether a smartwatch might violate the provisions. Um, this this is not gray. A woman argued this. She took her case to the BC Supreme Court. She was in a left turn lane by Tilikum Mall on Vancouver Island. Her Starbucks app was open and she didn't want to waste data. So she put her car in park so that she could pick up her phone and close the Starbucks app. And she got a ticket and she said, My car was in park. I was parked. And the court's like, No. (laughs) And she lost a trial and she lost her appeal. The law is abundantly clear.
2: Lawfully parked.
0: Off the roadway.
2: Off the roadway. I mean, at a parking spot, like, you know, out of
0: the travel portion travel
2: portion of the roadway lawfully parked um, and uh, uh, on a, off the travel portion of the roadway, put your vehicle in park, then you can use your
0: phone. All and you, you want, text. parts content.
2: Um, meanwhile, well, all of this is on the news. I was driving home the other day and I look over and there's a Nissan Pathfinder beside me. And I see, uh, you know, I glance over and I see the glowing screen and I see, I think for myself for a second, oh goodness, this person's texting right beside me. We're just starting to pull away. And then I realized it's the passenger. And I thought, oh, you know, here I am making these assumptions. It's You know, uh, I, I shouldn't have done that. They're being very responsible. Then I look and I realize, oh, both of them are. The passenger and the driver. <laughs> and the driver's driving with his knees. Uh, they got a Furry Creek uh, protest bumper sticker on the back, but driving with his knees. Why are you,
0: and, why are you dragging the Furry Creek protest? Well, I just this? thought, you
2: know, all sorts of people do it is the point. Right. You right. see middle-aged nice people you see you know people who are some of them are jerks you see people who are just in a rush people look at their phones and they don't have the clarity in the law and it undermines confidence in the law when you've got the icbc guy coming and saying this now the question Mm
0: -hmm.
2: is um you know is this a uh an officially induced error so the issue there is, um you know, somebody after the fact trying to use it as a justification is not going to provide them with any defense, mm-hmm. right? They had to have been listening to the Mike Smith show. They have to be then relying on it. They have to be not negligent in relying on it. They would have to testify about it and being believed. But, you know, ICBC, you should get it right. Yep. So... I heard that they were going to have somebody else on the Mike Smith show today. I didn't get to hear it. We'll have to wait and see about the podcast.
0: I believe it was a police officer that was on today. So now we get another side of it. We get the enforcement interpretation. But I would just like to say that my interpretation of the law is based on the words of the legislation as interpreted by the B.C. Supreme Court in the numerous decisions that have interpreted it. So mine is correct. The end. Well, <laughs> I'm right, and else The courts going to come back and
2: reinterpret something and reinterpret something. But I've noticed that with uh, each twist and turn in this story that you've uh, you know been able to point to the paragraph in the relevant BC Supreme Court case. And I also would back up and say, some time ago, you rewrote the legislation as a bit of a lark uh, and sent it uh, sent it to the government or posted it somewhere um and uh, wrote the legislation in a manner that would make more sense um and uh that was uh that was good i think a lot of people struggle with the fact that um the punishment is the same if you're driving along and uh making a tiktok as if you pick up your phone to glance at it at an intersection
0: or a railway crossing.
2: I noticed the other thing that the ICBC fellow got wrong as well was he suggested that you could just be relying on the speaker on your phone um, for no. many of the things. Uh, no, you're not supposed to be using the speaker on your phone. Uh, many people do it. I don't have it integrated into some of my vehicles, um, and I have no. I have relied on the speaker on my phone um, to uh, send text messages in the past. Ba- ba- in the past, just you know asking Siri.
0: Technically illegal. You can't actually, under the law, as expressly articulated in the law, you are not allowed to use your phone to send a text message or an email. And it doesn't distinguish between a dictated text message or a typed text message. So you cannot dictate a text message through Siri or any other type of Google or whatever. Well, then
2: I've broken the law, but nobody will ever know whether or not I did it in B.C. I did
0: Multiple times last week. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well,
2: look, the fellow from I—I I, 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 I don't know that I did, but the fellow from ICBC was suggesting that you could use do all of that basically with the phone sitting on your passenger seat, provided no. it was face down. No. And no, and not through your car. And no. No, that's again not correct.
0: All right, moving on. Very interesting situation um, coming out of Chilliwack. So. There's a police officer. You and I know his name from IRPs that he's issued. Uh, he is currently um, on leave. Administrative, not working leave because he's awaiting a trial date because he shot a suspect and charges were approved against him as this was not a lawful shooting, according to the ground. And on Christmas Day, he was in the drive through of McDonald's and apparently ended up in an altercation, uh, which allegedly resulted in him smashing into the rear of a vehicle. Um, if you Google, there's a Chilliwack progress story. The headline is, Chilliwack RCMP officer awaiting trial for shooting a suspect now faces impaired driving charge. Um, I know that's
2: inaccurate.
0: It's not a charge, but... Um.
2: But yeah, so the the suggestion is or the the uh, way that it's described there is that a couple uh, are behind him in a drive through or something like that um and the officer ahead of him, uh, ahead
0: of him? Yeah, and he smashes the the rear No, no, no,
2: no. I think he's he, they're behind him in the drive through and he appears to have fallen asleep or something or he's not paying attention. They beep and then they end up going around him. And then it sounds like he either pursues them or ends up behind them.
0: Road rageism.
2: And, uh, you know, don't quote me on these facts, but that's, yeah, road road rageism. And then follows too closely and that there's maybe giving the finger, which is something that you're entitled to do in Canadian law. Every
0: red-blooded Canadian has a God-given right. (laughs)
2: Pursuant to a decision from the courts in Quebec this week, you are entitled to give people the finger. Um, Can't see
0: me, but I'm waving my middle fingers around.
2: I'm not. You know, I just never do it. It's not something I ever do. I never give somebody the finger. But the, uh, in any event, there was uh, some finger gestures, and then uh, apparently he chased them or ended up behind them or something. Yeah, and smashed into them, and the police attended. Bad damage. Really bad damage. Um, and he was issued an IRP, and there's lots of concerns about it. So it's not a criminal charge. He's not facing a charge. The the um, news story that's been repeated, uh, picked up and repeated across the province is inaccurate because it says that he's got a charge. He doesn't. Yeah,
0: By he the sounds of it,
2: he just got IRP. a 90-day immediate roadside prohibition, and then that's the end of it.
0: But this is, the, this is the controversy, is that he hasn't been charged.
2: Well, yes, and it's controversial for a lot of reasons when you stop and think about it. Yeah. In the history of the IRP scheme and the fact that he's a police officer
0: even though he's on leave. He is nevertheless a police officer, so he should be held to a higher standard, especially in his conduct with other road users.
2: And the immediate roadside prohibition scheme was presented to the court when they argued the constitutional validity of it. The lawyers for the government stood there and said this will not be used in two circumstances. Number one... Where a person has a history
0: Mm -hmm. of
2: drinking and driving. Not here. Number two, where there's an accident. Mm -hmm. And none of the forms are designed for an accident. Determining the time of driving is important in drinking driving cases. There's no, it's not set up in the IRP scheme to do a forensic analysis to determine the time of driving afterward.
0: Although you did have civilian witnesses here, They're victims.
2: It, all of the stuff was potentially here. But instead of getting an uh, administrative driving prohibition and a criminal charge, an arrest, detention, breath demand, samples back at a detachment, despite the fact that it's not supposed to be used for accidents, and despite the fact that it is a police officer who should be held to a higher standard... And arguably could have been a criminal charge for assault with a weapon. Yep. Looking at this, or dangerous operation of a motor vehicle. Yep. The officer appears to mischief. have walked a mischief. Officer appears to have walked away with nothing more than a ninety-day.
0: Yep, very concerning um, for those reasons. And and you know uh, the RCMP has kind of declined to comment, other than to say that somebody was issued an IRP at that location on that day. But I think that this is one of those cases where it is in the public interest for the RCMP to explain why there were not criminal charges or a criminal investigation into the three offenses that you've just listed, all of which appear to be made out on the basis of the allegations as reported by the civilians.
2: Now, there's other problems with it, because when you issue an IRP, The expectation is that the police, because there's charter violations that take place, which are basically permissible in the IRP scheme, you conduct that investigation and you generally, you, at that point, you raise, uh, you make it so you cannot prosecute for other things. Yes. Because you don't collect that evidence. And so that decision to go IRP, Basically, provide somebody with an out. They can't come back and charge him, for example, with impaired driving. Yes. Or even come back and charge him with dangerous driving. Yes. Because he's detained. They collect evidence that they would not be permitted to collect for the purpose of.
0: And a the criminal Crown charge. Council Policy Manual also says to decline to approve a charge if somebody's issued an IRP. So it does you know, invoke Crown's policy that prevents this person from being charged in a circumstance that really does kind of seem to warrant it.
2: And I don't think people in BC would be happy about that. I don't think that people in BC expect that that is how the IRP scheme would have ended up, you know, how how the chips would fall with the IRP scheme. You know, there's a few things if people knew about it, they would probably be, very upset about the fact that the IRP scheme operates the way that it does.
0: Now, this is not the only scheme in British Columbia that people don't know all the details about and have reason to be upset about. And with that, we turn to our McGracken moment. Ladies and gentlemen, let loose the law and justice. Kraken!
1: Welcome to this week's McGracken Moment. Today I want to talk about accelerated depreciation. I'm taking a lot of calls of people who are crash victims and they're learning bad news. I get to be the bad guy and break it to them. But in the shift to no-fault insurance, one thing that was stripped was the right to sue for accelerated depreciation. Now, if you don't know what that is, when somebody smashes into your vehicle and it gets repaired, there's going to be a stigma on the vehicle. If you try to resell it, You have to declare if the vehicle had a previous crash with over $2,000 damage. And when you declare that, a lot of people aren't going to want to buy your used vehicle. Or if they do, they're going to haggle you. They're going to offer you a lot less, and you're going to have a much tougher time to sell the vehicle. That's simply market forces at worst. The law called that accelerated depreciation, and you used to be able to sue the at-fault driver for its economic value. I've handled a lot of these cases over the years, but surprise, surprise, when the government passed the no-fault law, they snuck in a section that didn't only take away your right to sue for injuries, and that's the news most people got, but they also took away your right to sue for accelerated vehicle depreciation A lot of crash victims are learning this the hard way. I'm breaking this news to a lot of people who contact me wanting to know if they could sue for this. You can't. The follow-up question is, what can you do about it? Well, contact your MLA. Ask them why they passed a law that took your rights away to fatten ICBC's bottom line. If you don't make noise, things aren't going to change, but that's the status quo.
0: Yeah, I mean, that whole accelerated depreciation thing is really frustrating.
2: Uh, It's disappointing. It's
0: disingenuous in an insurance scheme.
2: I know. Like, it's part of
0: the point of insurance. Yeah,
2: I know. And you're thinking to yourself, what happens if you have the classic Mercedes or something like that? You know, like, the whole purpose of buying insurance is to protect you from that. The vehicle will never be the same. ICBC is not going to pay for the, the, the best repair facility to make it the best vehicle that it can be. You know, it's kind of like it's kind of like the socialist version where you accept the mediocre or the crappy rather than aspiring to to the person having, you know, the best that you can accomplish. It's the uh, it's the uh, uh, we all end up with porridge, basically.
0: Let's end the podcast on a lighter note, Paul. Sure. And that's the ridiculous driver of the week. The reviews are in. This book has been a lifesaver. If you haven't bought a copy yet, I can't recommend it enough. Thanks to the Pinpoint Method, I feel like I now have concrete strategies I can employ for difficult situations. Published by LexisNexis, cross examination the Pinpoint Method is an essential addition to your bookshelf. Order now. This guy is funny.
2: Well, I, sent, I sent you two or three, but I no. mean, I think. I picked this one. is a winner is because winner. it's A, it's B, C.
0: It is a man from Burnaby who has pleaded guilty to an indecent act. Now, I know you're thinking, what is an indecent act have to do with driving law? Because usually indecent act is oh. like exposing your junk in a playground.
2: I can think of a lot of ways. I think our first
0: ridiculous driver ever was the guy who fucked his car. Well,
2: there you go. Yeah, the guy. Yeah, <laughs> that was exhaust It's still
0: one of my favorites. I will never get over that. No. Um, this man uh, was driving on lowheed Highway in Burnaby, stopped at a red light. A bus pulls up to next to him. A 13-year-old is on the bus with their smartphone. They look out the window and they see something that horrifies them that they, like any red-blooded Canadian teenager would do, which is film it. Um, the man is Jerking off in his car at a stoplight.
2: <laughs> so, obvious masturbation at a stoplight in a vehicle. Um,
0: Public masturbation. Uh,
2: you know, if nobody could see you, I think you probably would uh, You'd have a great defense. It's a great case but for but why you're... we should
0: have tinted windows allowed in BC. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the... Uh, Kind of a unpleasant way to, unpleasant thing to see at, at any age, yep. uh, and mm-hmm. something I would not, uh, wish a 13 year old to have to experience. But, uh, bully for them for recording it. Um, that's pretty ridiculous. Uh, that is a ridiculous driver. And that seems like something you would expect it, have heard about in Florida. Yeah. Or something like that. So, you know, maybe it'll become international news. Burnaby Man.
0: Burnaby man, bumping one off. I don't know Uh, what I was trying to alliterate, but I don't think I know a euphemism for masturbation that starts with beating off. Burnaby man beats off in beater next to bus (laughs) by bus. okay all right there's the headline well that's our podcast it's all downhill from here it's got to wrap up Um, at this point yeah (laughs) uh if you need to reach us related to a driving law issue you can give us a call at 604-685-8889 or find us online at vancouvercriminallaw.com and tune in next week for another exciting episode of driving law